you got to hire a coach and a trainer because basically we're living in an information age now and your information must be relevant. And the information that you're getting has to come off of the back of people that have walked the path before you. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, are you looking for some financing, maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business? Well, guess what? Got a solution for you. It's Fun That Flip. You know Fun That Flip. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine, and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, Go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Colton Lindsay, how you doing, Colton? Great. I love my life. How are you doing? I'm doing well and looking forward to diving in a little bit about Colton. He is a real estate agent with Keller Williams. He has closed over 120 transactions and over $20 million in volume sales over the last two years, became ranked in the top 1% of sales agents in real estate market by the age of 28. And he is based in Salt Lake City, Utah. You can say hi to him at his website, which is in the show notes. So with that being said, Colton, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely. So working right now to expand our sales team, we've got two senior sales agents. We've got three junior sales agents, full-time admin, and then myself. So that's one part of our business. And obviously, I've been working a lot on growing our online presence. I have partnership at a company called Fearless Agent Coaching and Training, where we train real estate agents on to master their skills, their schedules, and their systems. And then I do what's called Financial Freedom Nation as well. It's where one of the things I learned where people are failing, whether it's a small business owner, a real estate professional, an investor, wherever, they just don't know how to manage their cash flow. And this is what's actually keeping people from becoming financially free. So I have a whole course and training program on how people can manage their cash flow so they can actually get money to invest and become financially free rather quickly. And are you financially free? I am. Became financially free by the age of 31. Sweet. Congratulations. And how do you define financially free? Financial freedom in my definition is that your passive and residual income pays for your desired lifestyle. So if you can wake up, fog the mirror and still get paid, you're financially free. If you can't do that, then you've still got to go and work. Now, there's nothing wrong with working in active income, but you don't want to have to be forced to work, in my opinion. You want to be able to live life on your terms. Yep. I love that. So let's focus on the financial freedom nation, managing our cash flow so that we can optimize our finances. Talk to us about some mistakes people make. Number one is they just don't have a system at all. When my case studies, I found out that 90% of entrepreneurs, small business owners, salespeople, even employees that work for corporations or the government, they don't have any system system to manage their money. That's 90% of them. And of the 10% that have maybe a system, they look at it one time or less per month. So that tells me that it's just a big old avoidance of the situation. And it stems back from growing up, whether it was your parents or your school or your religion or your community, you just learned a financial blueprint 
that didn't teach you financial success, didn't teach you to manage your cash flow. So that's number one is there's just no system to even manage the cash flow at all. They don't know where to put the money. They don't know where to start. So I get these questions all the time, Joe, like what's my best way to invest? Should I borrow money and do a fix and flip? Should I buy a buy and hold real estate property? Should I put money in the stock market? And my first question is, well, what's your cash flow management system? And they're like, I don't have one. I said, well, the better question is not where should I invest, but the better question is how do I start managing my cash flow? Mm -hmm. so if you can start managing your cash flow, and, and what I teach in Financial Freedom Nation is seven different accounts, okay? One of those being country donations. I call it country donations. It's really your taxes. And if you can lower your tax bill, that means that there's more money that you can keep to be able to operate your life. You got to operate your life like it's a business. And the biggest, most important account is what I call your financial freedom account. That's the bucket or the account that you pay yourself first. That's where the richest man in Babylon, pay yourself first so that you can make interest. And, and just give you an idea, if you took $1,000 every year for the next 25 years, just $1,000 a year, and you invested it to get 10% return, which is very doable, just so you know, 10%, after 25 years of only 25,000 total invested, you'll have over $83,000. Now imagine if you can do more than $1,000 a year, which realistically you can if you just start the system. And there's two parts to this financial freedom. One is it's actually the outer world technique, Joe, to be able to, well, how much percentage do I put into my financial freedom account? How much do I put into my long-term savings? How much do I put into my necessities, right? That's the outer world techniques. But then there's the other side, which is your inner world techniques. What's keeping you stuck? What's the limiting belief that keeps you from even identifying where you need to move to next? So we help people break through those beliefs, get unstuck, and take action because now is the time to do it. Tomorrow's too late. So the first thing is not having a cash flow management system. The second would be limiting beliefs. Did I capture that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. So okay. when a dollar comes in, how do you divide that up? Most people just put it into their bank account and you've got a couple types of personalities. One is a saver, right? They're a hoarder. They just want a big old nest egg and they just keep it in their checking account and everything comes out of there, but they never grow it. It just kind of sits and maybe grows gradually. The other is the avoider, the guy that just doesn't pay attention to it at all. He just, you know what? I'm not even going to look at it. It's too much stress, too much. I don't like it. You've got your spenders, people that they spend more money than they even make, and they just spend without regards to where it's going. You've got money monks, people that are spiritually inclined to say, hey, money can't bring me spiritual salvation, and so they actually think money is evil, and that's just not the case. And these are just a few of the personality types here. And then you know, you got the amasser. He just wants to amass a large fortune because it helps his ego. So we all have part of these personalities, but it's identifying the good from them and the bad and then just applying the good to your life. That makes sense. As far as your investments with the passive and residual income, when you look at the whole pie of your investments, how does each slice of the pie break out in terms of where you're bringing that in from? Great question. So what I teach is a bulletproof investment portfolio. And I believe, and these are just recommendations, is in the stock market, anywhere from 20 to 30% of your portfolio. 
Now, a lot of real estate people are saying, well, I mean, I'm a real estate guy, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is in stock, you can get anywhere from 20 to 40% return on your money per year if you do it the right way. Real estate, I believe anywhere from 20 to 30% of your portfolio should be in real estate. I particularly believe in buy and hold. Don't wait to buy, buy and wait. Not to say that fix and flip, you can't make some money there. You can, but that's transactional. It's not money pays you for waking up every morning. You gotta operate a business with that, right? Next is commodities, silver, gold, oil, things like that, things that hedge against inflation, those types of things. And I believe maybe about 10 to 15% commodities is what we teach. Business is actually a very huge asset. I think a lot of people miss in being able to create financial freedom is if you can create a business that operates without you, that creates a mass amount of cash flow, that one is very powerful. And I think that anywhere from 20 to 35% of your portfolio there. And then the final area is cash. I think that you got to keep about 25% of your portfolio in cash because what happens, Joe, is remember 2008, the market shifted. People started selling their assets to just to pay for their liabilities. Then in 2011, when assets were really cheap, people didn't have the cash to buy new assets for the most part. Plus, they'd lost all their assets. So when the market goes back up towards 2015, 16, 17, they didn't make money on their assets because they sold them. They didn't make money on their assets they purchased because they had no cash to buy them. Mm-hmm. So if you keep your cash there, it's not about timing the market. It's not like when's the next crash going to happen. It's like it's not if, it's when, but you can't time when. So when it does happen, just have cash so you're ready for it and have cash so that you don't have to sell assets to pay liabilities. With your real estate portfolio bucket, the 20 to 30%, what properties have you purchased and that you have? I like to buy two bedroom, one bath condos are my favorite because I target lower working class. So if the market's hot, there's renters for it. If the market's cold, there's renters for it. So I try to get properties that are for the working class so that there's always a high demand for those types of properties. That's my goal. Got it. And what was the last one you bought? The last one I bought just a couple of weeks ago, I think I paid like $49,000 for it. It's a two bedroom, one bath, 700 square feet, put maybe five grand into it. It'll rent for about 750 here in the area. Mm-hmm. And how many of those do you have? Of those ones, I have five right now that I have free and clear of those ones. Got it. So free and clear, how can you choose not to put debt on it? Great question. When I originally started, because you can grow wealth quicker with leveraging it. But when I first started buying these properties... I didn't want to have to lay awake at night and think, okay, well, if I don't have a tenant in there, or if I have a sewer line break, or I have some sort of issue, I just don't want to have to deal with coming out of my other business or my own pocket to fix it. I wanted that business to sustain itself. So actually the newer properties were starting to leverage out through refinancing, through doing 15-year notes through a local bank here so that we take that cash and we reinvest it to other properties. So we'll take it from five to 10, probably in the next 12 months for sure with that, that part of the business. Okay, so you are going to be putting debt on it and taking that money and investing in other stuff. Yep, absolutely. One of the other things too that I have with those is I have a giant line of credit. So if I want to do a short-term three to six-month hard money loan, I can do that. Or if I want to do it, if I come across a good deal to do a fix and flip, I'll do that. So it's not like I just set the money there. I leverage that money. But Mm -hmm. when we first started, I just didn't want the headache. Mm -hmm. What other properties do you have besides those condos or is that the portfolio? That's what the portfolio is now. I've liquidated everything else. When I originally started, I started with single families as well. I started with spec homes, which really was my worst idea ever. I won't do that again. (laughs) Why? Um, 
I did it in 2007, built the house oh, for 250 wow. and sold it for 270 and <laughs> and it's speculation. It's capital gains and I prefer to do passive income. I don't want to invest for capital gains. Capital gains to me is a bonus. It's a way to build wealth, but it's transactional and it's a business. I think it falls more into the business category than it does real estate investing. Mm-hmm. I love the buy and wait approach. The approach that I take is similar, but I always want to do a 1031 exchange. Is that in your arsenal? Yeah, that's our long-term plan is to upsize to more apartment complexes. And so we will with time when we have enough properties and we have enough areas there. But honestly, my real estate is one of my smaller focuses right now. We're doing a lot with more of our business and online businesses because there's a lot of residual money made online right now. So that's where a lot of our focus is. And when you say we, who's we? People I partner with. I've got several different partners. Bob Leffler is one of my partners at Fearless Agent. I have a social media director, so she helps me market through all of our social media. So I've got just some different coaching programs and partners there. How'd you find your social media director? I went through a recruiting process. As I built my sales team out, I learned that hiring and recruiting is a really huge part as a business owner, and I mastered that process there. And so I defined what I was looking for in that social media director. I put out a bunch of ads, took in about 50 different applicants, boiled it down to about four or five, and then narrowed it down to two, hired them both. One failed pretty quickly and the other one succeeded. <laughs> For someone who is hiring a similar position, and that person would be me. So I'm selfishly asking this. What's the compensation? And you don't have to tell me that person's compensation, but just generally, what would that position be compensated? I think that really depends on what the job description is. So basically for what we did is I have a good social media following and it was becoming a challenge for me and being busy with my life and not wanting to work 100 hours a week to keep up with social media. So I just defined, okay, here's my platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and then we're going to be shuttling all of our audios into iTunes and the Stitcher for podcast, right? So I needed someone that could organize a message versus me just randomly crapshoot. So I defined what I wanted that message in essence to look like, what our targets was, and our goal is to 10x our subscribers and our engagements, right? So I set that as the parameters. And then I figured out, okay, how many hours a week do we need for this? And then based on that, I put out just what I thought I would be willing to work for on it. And then I just kind of negotiated from there. Now, each market and each place is different. So it could be anywhere from, say, a a 20-hour-a-week job to a a 40-hour-a-week job. And then you're going to be anywhere from two grand to five grand a month, just depending on where they're at with things. That is very helpful. Thank you for that. So Colton, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Do it now. Don't wait to get started. Start buying. How old are you? I will turn 33 this Saturday, actually. All right. Well, happy early birthday. When did you buy your first place? My first property I bought, I think it was 23 years old. And that was actually a spec home. So my first one, I failed spec home. Well, they hooked you early. Yeah, they did. So you said your focus a lot now is on the business side of things. What are some tips you'd give a best ever listener who's looking to start an online business that's real estate related or has real estate components to it similar to what you're doing? I think you got to hire a coach and a trainer because basically we're living in an information age now and your information must be relevant. And the information that you're getting has to come off of the back of people that have walked 
the path before you. Everything I teach and I train, it's not something I invented. I learned it from someone else. And so to get to where I'm at, I've spent a couple hundred grand in just education over the last eight years. So invest in yourself very first and learn the process and then just start. The key is start. Do it right now. That's the answer to all your life's questions. Do it now because you might be dead tomorrow. Who did you hire when you got started and how much did you pay? I've done several areas. I've started coaching clear back in early 20s with Garrett Gunderson, the Financial Freedom Fast Track. I think that my first investment was about 7,500 bucks there. I've learned from Adam Markell, Tony Robbins, Thomas Tadlock. These are just a couple of them. One of them is called uh, Success Resources America, an awesome company. I've probably invested 30 to 40 grand with that company alone in the last few years. I've done a lot with the Tony Robbins program, spent a pretty penny with them. I have one-on-one coaches, business coaches. It's just all over the place, a lot of different places. For someone who hears those numbers, I'm not one of them, by the way, because I have a business coach through the Tony Robbins program and I embrace bringing on uh, consultants and mentors. But for someone who hears those numbers and doesn't have the same mindset that I have, where it is an investment and is worth it, what would you say to that? Well, I say you can choose to be right or you can choose to be rich. You choose, right? So you can stick with your idea that, hey, I don't need that and be where you're at. Or you can say, you know what? I prefer to be rich. I prefer to learn from someone that's done it and produces at a higher level than me. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there, too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at thereifoundation.libson.com. Okay, best ever book you've read? Best ever book I've read is Ask and It Is Given by uh, Abraham Hicks. Best ever deal you've done? Oh, geez. Best ever deal I did was a $1.2 million commercial property, which was pretty awesome. So I love that one. Will you elaborate on it? It used to be a bar and a restaurant, and some of my past customers, they wanted to start a wedding venue or event venue. And so we found it, purchased it, it like just fantastic idea. And we turned it from just being a place that had run down. It was actually really remodeled, really nice, but it was dead. The business was dead. It was located in a spot that didn't make sense for a bar. And so we repositioned the venue to be a great place for a wedding and an event center. So that's it in a nutshell. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Oh, man, I've made a lot of mistakes on transactions. I think one time I accidentally included some of my clients' washer and dryer, so that sucks. I have to write a check for that. (laughs) I was just on a call with someone, the last call I had, the last interview I had, and he missed the home inspection deadline, so he had to pay for like a chimney sweep and chimney liner or something. Oh, yeah, that could suck. We missed closing costs once. That was $5,000 mistake, so 
shit happens. You just deal with it and move forward. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Facebook.com forward slash Colton J. Lindsay. Check me out on YouTube. Just Google Colton Lindsay or check out my website, coltonlindsay.com. Excellent. Well, Colton, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for talking about your approach. You got into your portfolio allocation, stocks, real estate, commodities, business, and cash, and the logic behind each of those and the percentages, as well as mistakes, having a cash flow management system. I should have asked this. What system do you use? Is it a software or Excel spreadsheet or something? We actually designed our own program. It's a cash flow management program called the Financial Freedom Budget Tracker, and it's all done through Excel. If you guys can reach out to me if you want to get a copy of it. Sweet. Well, thanks a lot for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, Colton. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. We'll see ya. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at the REI Foundation.libson.com.